I'm Scott. And I'm Seth. And I'm Tiffany Kelly. And this is Trackwalking. This week, we uh, have Tiffany Kelly on. And deep cut of the show, this is actually the second time we've had Tiffany on. Uh, but the first one that you'll actually get to hear. And that's all we're going to tell you about it. So, Tiffany, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you. Thanks for having me. It's nice to see you guys again or talk to you guys again. I know the the season for you, you've been you've been off for a little while. Midwest Festival at Gingerman was your guys' last wheel to wheel race event. Yeah, for the season. Yeah. It was a good one though. It ended it up pretty good. good. Yeah. yeah, my last race was probably the best one to go down in. <laughs> you were you were leading for a good Half oh, that race or so? oh, like a majority of it. I, I was like, please throw the white flag. Please throw the white flag. <laughs> like, Never comes like, soon enough. No. And it was like basically that down to like the last two or three laps. And that's when people started gaining. And but I ended up still getting P2 because two people got DQ'd. That's and right. then so Justin took first and I took second, which was a great way to end the season. Yeah. And then ended up getting like first for the weekend, which Ironically, if I would have took first and he got second, he wouldn't have got that first for the weekend. So it kind of worked out for him. Yeah. (laughs) So with points wise, but it was a good way to, you know, have like finally something like that, a podium finish. I just had a great start. So the race, the start, but I knew it was one of those moments in racing where you're like, just hold on as long as you can. And and then I was thinking I could get it (laughs) and then start looking in my rear view mirror tires started getting super slick because we had all, I went out on range and then it got dried up it was that was like the that is the I don't know summary of the whole weekend everybody yeah. was like in a rain we put on rains and it would dry up or yeah. it wasn't supposed to rain and we put on slicks and then it rained uh, yeah. I felt like that was the season we got a lot of that this year yeah mid-Ohio was a lot like that it's a lot of tire choice and weather decisions this year yeah and the last one of the season was the same way i think every single time because the clouds i remember like two minutes before i'm like do we do slicks do we do rain tires i definitely ruined a pair of rain tires this year but they were worth it i don't know how anybody didn't have rain tires this year it would have been a horrible season oh you didn't but you had at least you drive on all weather right yeah they're not they're not h2o's but they're at least not my my dry race tires yeah those people are crazy yeah driving on slicks in the rain i've done that way too many times and it's a horrible experience definitely with like an s2000 it's like you can't do anything you just try to move the wheel we wadded up a few cars doing that this year too oh wow on slicks and oh uh, yeah one at road america that i know of had the kink car just lifted up and nothing you can do yeah Anyway, um, so Tiffany, you race a S2000 in Gridlife's Touring Cup. How did you actually, I guess, kind of give us the origin story, so to speak? How did you, we don't necessarily need to know, like, how'd you learn how to drive? But like, how'd you, how did you get like into cars? Into cars, yeah. Um, Always just... Honestly, worked on him when I was a kid, did like a college class. I worked on him through high school with some boys up the street, always hung out with the guys, hasn't changed. <laughs> um, and I took some auto body classes while I was in high school, 
and they were for college credit as well while I was going to high school. And then, so I worked in a uh, shop for two years. I worked on semis that did body work. And then I always just hung out with people who did cars. And I just always had like a small addiction for them. And then I got into motorcycles because one of the guys from work put, um, took me for a ride one day. He's like, you want to go? And I'm like, sure. And then I got off. I'm like, yep, definitely getting one. And then I saved that whole summer <laughs> and bought one. And um, after that, it was always, it was mainly motorcycles at first. I bought my first motorcycle when I was 17. And then um, I got busted with it three days later because I wrecked it. And my mom found out and I got in huge trouble. Uh, but and then after that, I just never gave them up though. I always kept motorcycles and then, um, cars, always just into cars and working on them. And then I met Justin down the road and I met him on a motorcycle at a gas station and asked if he wanted to ride with me. And then that's kind of how the whole car thing started. And he was doing autocross at the time and he yeah. got me to try autocross. And then we kind of went from there into racing cars together. So that's in yeah, a nutshell. Yeah, Seth could talk motorcycles all day. I know. What uh, what have some of your motorcycle highlights been? Ooh, um, I I've had all different ones because I started off with like a 500x, so I thought it was cool with a small bike, and then in like 636, all sport bikes. One point I had a Busa, Hayabusa, and I actually ended up in a yeah, stupid. Like, <laughs> It was really fast and straight line, but that's about it. You think you're really cool, but I made it pretty. It ended up um, being in a magazine for like best of show. So I made it kind of like a show bike. That one was a little bit more of a show. Um, and then I got, when I met Justin, I bought my Repsol, my first, it was my first thousand CC leader bike. I call it the big boy bike. And that one I, I've actually taken to the track and everything. But I think a funny story with it is I wanted to be a cool person and do willies with the guys. <laughs> And yep. <laughs> I remember a couple of us went out one day and I did a couple and I thought it was super cool. And then I, I overshot the last one. And so we're all riding together. And the next thing they know, they see my bike fly by them and I'm not on it anymore. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> and I come sliding by a little bit later, like sliding across the sidewalk. And I was like, and I'd only had like 500 miles on it. It was like brand new too. It was like, I just bought it. And I, uh, but learn my lesson. I'm, I'm not good at stunning, apparently. Like, I'll stay away from that. Um, but yeah, I always just, it, mine was more like the street and everything for motorcycles. Did Like I said, we took them to the track a couple times, and that was a really cool experience. But I think when I got into the cars, the bikes have kind of taken a backseat. Because one with the motorcycles, if you, sometimes, when you wreck the motorcycles, pretty much total. And then you can get hurt so much easier. So at least with the cars, you're caged. And so if I hit a wall, I can usually, I can walk away. But with the bikes, it's a little bit different story. And so I think that's why we always kind of got more into the cars and kind of took a back seat with that because just getting hurt and stuff. Yeah. It's a, yeah. It's a real, real thing. It is. Yeah. Crashing motorcycle sucks. I, I will 100% agree with that. Um, it's horrible. we race little bikes. So when we fall off, we're only, you know, we're, we're still full leathers, like on the big bikes, but when we fall off, we're only going, you know, 25 or 35 miles an hour. So you basically get up and giggle about it instead of falling off on a big bike where you're going a hundred and yeah. the dynamics of that are a lot, lot different. So we also race a lot of, um, uh, little supermoto bikes and as is true, um, dirt bikes crash way better than street bikes do. So oh, um, my yeah. main, my main track bike that I've got probably seven or 8,000 laps on has been crashed 
probably 30 times. Oh, and wow. all I need to do is replace brake levers and I bent one foot peg mount on it and that's all that's happened to it. So, um, so yeah, if you ever want to ride tiny bikes and, uh, not feel bad when you fall over, let me know. Um, I totally try to suck people into the dumb sport all the time. No, I totally, I, someone had made a rumor last year and I, I don't know if it was like hearsay, but they were saying GLTC was going to do some kind of like little mini bike competition and i was like pumped i'm like i have my leather suit i will kick some butt with this like so uh, somebody trying to start like a side race like pit bike race go-kart race it's well that that's that's the problem if they do that and they'll be like hey we'll do a pit bike race somebody like tiffany or like me will show up and we'll be in full leathers on a bike with slicks and we'll be like what's that pit bike race we're gonna yeah totally (laughs) i told you bro (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't tell anybody that I've been riding motorcycles my whole life and just be like, yeah, I just bought this suit from a friend. Let's go. Yeah. Well, you guys you guys have heard of the whole Dajiban thing in Japan, right? No. Okay. Is- so, and this, this is how things like this start, is basically um, in Japan, they had a just around like full-size Dodge vans that they would use to pull their to their race and their drift cars to events. And as things do with people is they started trash talking about whose tow vehicle was oh, faster. <laughs> so it spawned this thing called Dajiban or the Dodge van, Dajiban. And they have these things slammed on full coilovers and they drift these full size manual transmission (laughs) big block vans around racetracks and it's majestic and i really want one oh my gosh (laughs) things that people come up with to race so much fun though if they would let people jubei would 100 percent have a motorhome on track and he would time it he really (laughs) wants to race houghton in motorhomes Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> yes. See, yeah. So we can't joke about racing anything because it will turn into something real. So oh, yeah. it's terrible. Now, <laughs> I'll be, I'll be voting for anything. Cool. Tiffany do, and I are both there for the pit bike race. We're good. Right. We're there. The only thing I would have an advantage on is that if we decided to race our tow vehicles. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. That would be that'd be the only way I would I would ever No, race. we'd have like a requirement. Like there has to be a bathroom. Like it has to be technically like an <laughs> RV. So if you need to like strap up a porter potty to the back of your car to make it legit, like work in the gray, oh. but <laughs> Brad, Brad Adams is salivating right now for the memes he could make about that. Oh my <laughs> Is he the um, one who makes all those memes on the GLTC? Yeah. Like one of them does, and they're hilarious. Like my entertainment for the week. Yeah, like, Jared Jared Garcia from the Winning Formula and Brad Adams are the two worst offenders, and it it's gonna make the off season tolerable, I think. Yeah, it's already been. It's only been like what two or three weeks. I know you yeah. went to Nola. I didn't yep. get to go to Nola, so it's been a couple weeks for me, almost a month, and I feel like it's just been so long. I did do a shifter cart race after our um, last GLTC race, so that kind of yes. helped me like do something. Um, but yeah, gosh, it's sinking in. I do not well, like this. What has this transition been like from you? So, like, you you get done with GLTC, and I know you and Justin have the driving school that you did, so you know you still got to turn a few laps. 
but what's yeah. what's that transition like from like full-on competition seeing your the friends and the buddies at all these grid life events and then it's winter. uh the fr- the first week is always nice i'll admit the first week you're like oh finally because i feel like we are non-stop i mean glt being squished and then we had our driving school so if a week and we were at gltc we had a driving school or we had a shifter cart race we were doing shifter carts too oh, wow. so it's like every sequel weekend yeah like something was happening and so the first weekend i definitely was like i'm gonna lay around in my pjs and do nothing like absolutely nothing <laughs> yeah. and so it was like really nice but then you do that for like a couple of days and you're like okay what now but i think it hasn't been too bad because we've been trying to do all of our planning for the um, off season with like our new builds and stuff because we're going to be doing a bunch of new engine builds this winter to keep up with gltc which we haven't announced yet mm-hmm. but trying to get that all coordinated um the team the whole team came down to visit us this weekend maybe that's why i'm a little tired today <laughs> like we all just hung out and partied together because it was like we haven't seen you guys we all need to hang out um yeah it's like really hard not to it's because you want to be doing something and then you want to stay so i know for us it's going to be starting getting full like just diving into the car work getting that all so basically every weekend so this these coming up weekends we're pulling out our engines because we sold them and so that'll be and then it'll just kind of be non-stop oh yeah like i am really are doing something different yeah yeah so hey we gotta stay competitive gltc it's competitive group it's not a k though and just telling you right now don't even ask we're not k swapping i'm fine with that well, I think we are the only people <laughs> with the smallest, like, I think in the top 10, like, running out there when it was in the top 10 finish, we were the smallest engine, I think, 2.0, or I think everybody was either a K or something else. Except Cattill, who had his... Was he a K order. this year? Or, oh, was he a B? B? I thought he K-swapped this year. He was did I somewhere in, in the middle of it, I believe. Okay. Um, Maybe it was, God, I don't remember when that is. I don't think it was the entire season, though. Huh. Yeah, I felt like that was the big thing this year. Apparently needed to get a K to be cool, the cool kids. It's all about about those big flat torque curves. That's where everybody's going now is uh, is because of the horsepower rule. We got to come up with all the torques, and uh, this is all Jubay's fault, so. (laughs) Yeah, the rest of us are like, dang it. Like, I really tried, um, yeah, it's. It is something you have to think of, though. And I saw it. I, I could tell on the track with that torque, like coming out of the corner and stuff. You could you could see the difference. So it's yeah. Right. Yep, so so you guys doing a uh, turbo diesel under there? <laughs> That'd be a cool one. <laughs> we haven't we haven't said what we're gonna do yet. It'll be coming out. I'm not allowed to no, say yet, but it'll be a so, cool build, though. So you mentioned too, and um, you know, for the people listening, you you work with a team of people um, that you're not, you know, you're not a, a somebody who shows up with a few friends. So two volunteers like you guys show up with a, an event. <laughs> um, and that, it, Mar- yeah. Marriott Motorsports. Um, how did that come together? Like, how do you get those kind of people just to come donate time hang out and do race car stuff everywhere you go 
you know, that's it all actually started racing. Um, we all raced together at NASA at some point. Um, Jake was my competitor in ST4, and he ended up hitting me in one of the races. And he needed to use some wheels and tires if he wanted to keep competing. And I'm always all about, like, bring on the competition. So I'm like, you're not going to give up. You're going to borrow my wheels. And you're going to race me. And I think he ended up winning. That's he awesome. beat me in that race after he borrowed my wheels. So it was like, <laughs> man. But um, it was actually really – so that's how I met, like, Jake, who kind of technically was the first founder of the team, Myriad um, mm-hmm. Motorsports, with Chris. And then – over time, like I knew Quincy through NASA through somebody else. He was another person who kind of ended up joining in with the group. And then we, uh, Felipe was this year. I don't know how he, I think he played basketball with us one weekend. Yes, that's how we met Felipe. Um, we literally, this is how people get into the group. We, yep. we just hang out with them for a weekend. We tell them how awesome it is. And then next thing I know, we have a driver. Like Felipe had, he was, we met him through Jake. We went up to North Dakota because that's where most of the team lives is up in North Dakota. Went up there to hang out. Yeah, so Jake's from there and Chris and Quincy's in Kansas City. But um, so we went up there and we're playing basketball and we were telling Felipe. And the next thing I know, he's buying a car to join. So he's on the team. Who else am I? And then we have uh, we have our people like Dean, the legend Palmer. We call him Dean, the legend Palmer. And he's always been into racing and he's met us and he's just kind of the car overall car guy. So he does everything. And then Josh is Justin's little brother. So he just kind of, and then I have Gil, who's my crew chief. Who, he met us and raced with us, but he just kind of likes to tag along and help with everything. So it just, it just over time just naturally formed. And then it just kept getting bigger and it's just really, it's organic. It's crazy. Yeah, that's, that's cool how that kind of has it. Like you guys didn't put out any want ads or anything like that. It's just people, you know, people you hung out with. Yeah, it's a growing experience, though, because like team dynamics with like anything, it's like working at a job and having a team like everybody and their responsibilities or who takes care of what and then everybody and their personalities. So I feel like we had a lot of like it's like a really a lot of great moments and a lot of growing moments where like to learn how like what everybody likes and what's who's contributing what or so it was definitely experience and just it's really hard to have a team. You have to know that you guys have to trust each other. And um, you're all still competitors, though. So it's like that aspect. So this is like, this is what Formula One must feel like when they're like, so we, we always refer to ourselves as the Red Bull team. And because <laughs> like sometimes, you know, because they all kind of compete against each other, too. Like they're all friends, but you're oh, yeah. still. Com- yeah. And so right. we have moments because Justin and I are technically Team Kelly inside of Team Myriad. So because we, we still like to keep our identity as we've always kind of had a team together just I mean that's where we started was just Justin and I as team Kelly and then we kind of we just kind of are part of that big group and so because you're kind of married yeah that kind of married thing kind of doesn't go away <laughs> so you talk about trust um what have what have some moments this year been like um in terms of having to learn to trust your teammates um you know, that was hard for me. I'm a person who likes to do all my own work and do things. So I think that was a real big thing for me this year is like having letting maybe someone else like touch my car and help me with something on my car. Because then if something goes wrong, it's kind of like, whose fault is that? Like, because then you're like, well, I should have probably checked it or if, maybe if I would have done that or so that was a learning experience this year for me. But it also taught me to, you know, there's just some things you can't do as a driver. If you want to be super competitive, like do it all. Um, that's where I could say the team aspect has really helped because like 
um, being able to fuel, change my tires, torquing lug nuts, checking all the basics, still, you know, um, getting my charging my battery for my camera and all those little things in between races and still trying to do that while still trying to focus to go out on the racetrack. I mean, that stuff all adds up definitely when you're changing tires and stuff like I'm worn out if we have like a short period between two races and I'm like swapping out tires and fueling. And so a lot of that is just having some people to help you out. That was hard for me to just trying to be just a driver is kind of, it was a transition this year for me because I should be sitting down and downloading my videos and watching. (laughs) Sure. Well, that's something we've talked about is that every change, like every time you make a decision, it's not always all good. Like there are things that you have to trade off with. So in moving from a driver who also had to kind of do everything to just a driver, what did you feel like you were trading? Um, I think here, hold on. I'm sorry. One second. My dog. Do you hear my dog barking in the background? Barely. Okay, right, hold on one second. <laughs> Just driving me nuts. All right, good. I'll make a note of this timestamp too, so. Okay. Um, uh, so trade-wise, I think, I don't, I don't, for me, it was a lot of learning. I, I feel like I gave up a little bit of the learning of my car. Some things like um, checking, like when things go wrong and figuring it out, like some things, like if I let somebody else do it, I'm like, well, what did we do? I don't know. For me, I love knowing every component of my car and what's running and what, why it's functioning the way it is. So if I didn't help with one little thing and then something goes wrong, having to trust ask somebody else, like, well, what did you change over here? And why is it doing this? That was really hard for me this year because like, having someone else. Does that make sense? Like, Yeah. What, and what, what is that for you? Like when you kind of needing to know everything that's on the car, is that people call it type A, but <laughs> <laughs> no, for me, it's a control. Like it's just for like me going out. I, I don't know. Maybe it, yeah you know or just just for a driver i think everybody has different ways of how they drive and adapt or learning styles and maybe for me understanding how everything's all the components are working on the car helps me to understand why it's just that whole like breaking it down like why is it running this way in the corners or why is it doing this so i like to know all of that stuff because that's what helps me with driving and i I feel like everybody has different ways of breaking that down but for me like i don't know troubleshoot things why things are running the certain way they are it just helps me understand it i don't know and then, so you kind of had to trade some of that in order to better focus on yourself and your driving and where you can improve yeah pretty much yeah not not get t- tied down with the little stuff and actually like take a step as like basically go aside look at my videos see where i'm making mistakes but that was supposed to be the point of this year, but I had a lot of car issues this year. So as yeah, you're trying kind of referring to. Yeah, your your first half of the year was tough. I mean, even just like being in the paddock with you, I mean it's any given race, like I'd be looking for you. It's like, did you finish? Because your car was struggling hard. Yeah. I think there wasn't one weekend where I got to do all four races, which was really depressing. So I did have some moments, but I was always trying to like look on the brighter side of it and be like, fine, just get out there. Cause even the last race, uh, it's actually, (laughs) 
you know, I, I definitely made me be thankful for certain, you know, I'm just trying to be optimistic about it and what it definitely taught me things not to do next year, like how to be more prepped on certain things, but there's just some things out of your control. Like at this very last race too, I thought I had everything good. And right before the qualifying session, my throat variant went out again. And I'm like, how is this even possible? And so I didn't get a qualify. Yeah. So what we had 55 people and I started the back. I'm like, how is this always happening to me? But the positive side was like, I learned how to pass a lot of people this year. Like that was like what my entire season was like, how to make passes. So I'm like, well, this is good experience. Like this is good training for me. Like. It's great training for me to how to be passed by Tiffany Kelly. Um, <laughs> got, got that experience several times. Well, it makes you like really, I got to learn other drivers. So, so that's why I'm saying I always try to look at the positive side of it is like, I got to learn other drivers, driving styles. I got to figure out how to pass certain people, different cars. So ones who are really torquey, ones who are a little bit slower, because it was so different having to adapt to with the GLTC. I noticed like, you know, the Beamers are a lot different to pass and like a K Miata or it's just such a different, but it taught me a lot on that. So I kind of knew what kind of where areas I'd be strong in. Like Emil was great at the end of the season when I got him on a pass at the end. And he's like, I just didn't expect that. And it was just like, but all year long, those are the passes I made. Like, and that's how like I learned. So, so there was some positives that came out of it. Maybe I needed a season again, beat down to kind of improve as a driver. Uh, And that's, and that's the whole thing too. I remember you and I talking for most of the season and just when you change almost everything on your car, it doesn't matter if you think you checked all the boxes, like they're going to be teething issues for sure. And then I'm going to go try to motor swap again, but (laughs) (laughs) but, you know, I'm learning. I'm actually going to do the whole wiring harness mill spec. I'm going to do it all myself and know exactly and try to like make sure it's super simple. Cause you know, going to like doing your own mill spec wiring heart, I'll make sure it's simplified and I want to make sure I know every single thing on it. So if something goes wrong now, I will know how to dissect the problem and go right there and narrow it down. Like I'm not doing that again. <laughs> You're going to do the full, the full sub harnesses things where you've got engine sub harnesses and the chassis sub harnesses and so you can make a spare engine sub harness so if something happens exactly. you just go boom and plug it right back in and do that yep you're on the same page as me yep i'm going to have a spare oh. yeah oh i feel like i'm gonna have a spare motor i'm not gonna mess around this year like we i am not <laughs> i've always yeah. wanted to be the person who did all that stuff and i never get past the planning stages of like shopping for all the plugs and I you shop for wire and shop for plugs, and I'm like, eh, it's probably fine. And that's where I quit. So it'll be interesting to talk to you about somebody who actually completely follows through with that plan. I actually bought all of every, like everything to build an entire harness. I have them all and like Fantastic. plugs, everything. Yeah. No, I am, I'm really making sure this is going to happen. Um, I'm excited about it. I'm, I'm kind of sad about losing my ITBs, but. They were my thing this year. If I wasn't running, at least I sounded cool, right? (laughs) So so much noise at 9,000 RPM. Yeah, such a fun car to drive, though. It really is. So, and as we kind of talked about earlier, too, you and Justin are married and on the same team. And you guys ride motorcycles together. And you do go-karts together. 
you don't do Call of Duty together, but you know. Yeah, that's where I draw a hard line. Yeah. <laughs> Thank um, goodness. So, you know, so we we kind of talked about the whole teammate team kind of thing, but I've got to assume that racing with slash against your husband not just like your husband in particular but just like husband and wife on track racing together and against each other what's what, what's that been like for you um i genuinely i don't know how it'd be for other people i i genuinely love it it's actually my my favorite moments on track are the ones when i'm competing against justin like take out all the other guys out there i I have some of my funnest moments going against him, but that's, I think, cause I always know he's really good and he's always been like that, that carrot that I can't get. Mm-hmm. So it's always like, so when I keep getting nipping at his heels and I can tell with him, it's a motivator for him. Cause the moments I start getting super close, then all of a sudden he'll get better. I noticed <laughs> like when I was leading that last race, he even said when I was leading it, he was like, there was no way I'm losing to Tiffany. And he was like pushing <laughs> it hard in the car. Um, and it, it gets really awesome, but I, I don't expect anything from him. Like he'll never just give me a free win or let me have a pass because he like loves me or something. And I'm rolling my eyes at that because he I'm won't sure. do it. And people have said that to him. They're like, why don't you just let your wife win once or let her buy? And he's like, no, because she wouldn't, be, she'd be ticked off at me about it. And I would like, if Justin ever took it easy on me, I would just feel like when he's just doing me a disservice and not helping me get better. And, um, but his reaction to it is hilarious because he tries to act like he's not threatened by me. But anytime I'm like super close to him, I can see it in his car. Like even his driving style <laughs> changes a little. Like he like puts on that power. We um our last shifter car race, it was hilarious because I had I was racing a DD2 before our last one. So it was basically a paddle shifter. So he was actually doing the proper shifting. I don't know if you guys ever raced a shifter cart. I, I, just, actually, I just dislocated a rib in a DD2 this last week. So I'm on, I'm on point uh, with you. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm actually still recovering from my last race. I did something with my <laughs> intercostal muscle it was painful. I'm just now feeling better. Um, yeah. So I was always driving the DD2. So I finally, we were going to this new place. I had a longer straightaway and they're like, well, you're going to need like an actual shifter. So he's like, we'll borrow Jake bought one a long time ago, never drove it. So Jake's like, you can borrow mine. So I'm like, great. So it was my first actual shifter cart race with the actual shifter. And I think Justin didn't really, and it didn't really fit me. It was a big seat and everything. And I don't, I don't think Justin thought I was going to be as competitive as I was. And we ended up like being neck and neck and I ended up bump drafting a bunch. And he was just so stoked afterwards. He's like, he was like, I felt you bump, somebody bumped me and I look back and it's you of all people. You like could not believe it. And it was probably the most fun race ever. And he just gets I, I just love the way he, I can always tell like the way he gets excited when I do well is probably like my favorite moments when he's always impressed. Cause I don't think Justin is easily impressed by people's driving. <laughs> so when I do something, um, it makes me feel good, but there's moments I think couple wise, I do warn people money. It's horrible. Cause if you think racing's expensive times it by two, and then yeah. everything has to be, yeah, too. So if you're like, if husbands were like hoarding that money and secretly getting the packages at the house, well, they're like, well, did you get me one? And then there's like, has to be two of everything. So you have to figure <laughs> right. that out. Yeah. yeah. And it all, it all has to be, it all has to be good stuff. You can't have somebody get like inferior, whatever. Yeah. You can have my old 
whatever. Right. Oh, it. we've totally had those arguments because I've gotten sloppy. I, they call me sloppy seconds sometimes because I feel like I've gotten some <laughs> of his parts that he's like done with. And all of a sudden he'll have like a brand new, um, our radiator ducting. He had first made the first one and fabricated on my car and it looked really cool and I loved it. And the next thing I know, he has a super sweet one. And I'm like, when did you make that one? And now mine's like sloppy seconds. <laughs> and like, <laughs> we've had, we definitely have those arguments. It's like, they have to be equal and I can't get the inferior one. And yep. yeah. And when okay. we're racing too. Well, like, like you said, you can't, like, I'm sure he wants to beat you, but I think he also wants to beat you at your best. <laughs> So yeah like, you better like you better make this car competitive otherwise who are you really beating here <laughs> yeah that's true yeah i oh it's, it's just it is a different dynamic i i mean but you um you have your girlfriend in racing but you're not she is she if she ever starts racing jltc but it's a definitely a different dynamic though that you go through like it's just so different i think just not even even the home life even hanging out like I go through some of this stuff where we'll all go out as a team and have fun, like partying as a team. But so the other, the wives and girlfriends will like not be invited, but then I'll be invited because technically I'm one of the drivers. Mm. So that can have moments of awkwardness. Yeah. Right. Like, cause then like I'm invited, but the other wives aren't invited. <laughs> I was about to say, and I'm sure you're the only female on the team. So. Yeah. So. <laughs> Yeah, so there's different dynamics like that that happen, and yeah, so just hanging out with the guys. <laughs> but it's funny because I I'm literally hanging out and camping with all the guys and stuff, and it's it's so funny because you know some women will be like, "Why well, want it?" You know, it'd be nice to be hanging out with my husband the whole weekend. I'm like, "Is it though?" All these guys are like farm animals, <laughs> like half of them don't shower. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. it's a real thing. Yeah, like the men over race weekends, they're just not the most, <laughs> like, I just, you're definitely hanging with the guys, for sure, and you can't, <laughs> yeah, uh, it's just a good experience. So what's, so what's that been like, too, um, being a woman in motorsports? So, you know, you've done bikes, you've done the carts, like we talked about, you've done NASA, you've done grid life as a female in motorsports is do you feel like you have to do anything differently um yeah i definitely you always have to you have to be decent like okay i'll say it's been trans transformational maybe is the best way to say it over the years when i first started it was definitely like no one everybody underestimated you so that was always like a positive um so then when you did something even like like you started the car, woo, look at her. She she started the car. <laughs> look, oh, yeah. Like, look at you it go. Is, yeah, it's funny. You could do something so silly and everybody's like, that's really good for a girl. And it's always that end for a girl. And you're like, but I just, I didn't even do anything like that. So it's funny how the expectations of what you can do are so different and people don't realize they're saying it too. They're like, oh, you finished a race. That's really good for a girl. And you're like, but it's definitely changed over the years but I've gotten more respect for sure but I've definitely had to earn it because um 
always say you just you're just noticed more and people will point it out and I think that's just natural it's like when anything kind of stands out a little you're going to notice it it's the purple car with all the other red cars everybody's like look at that purple car and then you always remember what the purple car did because all the other red ones are kind of blend in oh that red one hit that red one nobody really remembers but oh did you see that purple one it totaled and nobody forgets that <laughs> and that happened. I know that's oh, in the beginning when I wrecked a couple of cars, I, I feel like nobody would let it down. And it was just like, oh, she wrecked. But plenty of guys can total a car, but it's no big deal. But the girl did. But I've tried not to I try not to take it personal. I think that's the biggest thing that can make or break you. But it's also been motivating for me as well, just um, to know that I'm I'm kind of doing like. When I have like uh, the, one of my shifter car races, not this one, but the other one, there was this little girl, she was, I think she was probably like five years old and she'd come up and like, she would like give me a little high five and be like, good luck. And you could just tell it was so motivating for her and to see another female. And it just, those are the moments when someone believes in me, it's really super motivating for me. I'm like, yeah, I'm doing this. Somebody believes in me. She might be five, but she believes in me. I can do this. <laughs> and but yeah, being a woman, it just it just has its moments. You have to prove yourself, and I feel like you have to prove yourself a little more than the typical what a, a guy a guy could go out there and put down a lap, and everybody's like, "Cool, he's in." But I'm gonna have to be like in the top five percent to actually be noticed. I feel like that kind of happens, but yeah. I, so like yeah. you're like you're held to a different standard than the guys. No. Absolutely. I mean, and you're representing for there's only one percentage. I'm a small representation for a huge whole. So that's right. a lot of pressure. <laughs> like, don't bit. screw it up for all the women in the world when you get out there. <laughs> it's like, that's, I mean, it's, that's another human nature. We like to stereotype, right? So, and that's where I think with women, you're based so many people, if they're small percentage and that's all you see, if they're usually slow or they're usually wrecking, that's kind of what everybody kind of associates women drivers with. And so it's kind of trying to break that mindset and making sure if all the women going out there and being in the top five, then everybody be like, yeah, it's a woman driver. She, those, they're fast. Like that's where it, you, you know what I mean? Instead of, yeah. I want to, but it's kind of crazy because this year we had some women in GLTC. Yeah, we had a few. Yeah. And then, but I'm hearing like a couple of them are not staying in GLTC. So it was kind of like, womp, womp when I heard that, cause I was like. Yeah, I was, I was a little bummed. I know. I've been seeing Sally McNulty doesn't look like she's coming back, which I'm a little bummed about. Um, yeah. And I know there's at least one other woman who came out uh, for a race weekend. Who's not gonna, doesn't appear to be doing it again. So might, uh, we're, we're training a few women right now who with the goal of getting into GLTC in the future. Um, That's awesome. But nobody, nobody imminent that I'm aware of. Yeah, it's intimidating. I mean, it's a the GLTC field is a competitive field. For all the all the wheel to wheel racing I've done, it is one of the most intimidating competitive field like group of drivers. So I could see where it'd be kind of hard to get out there. So just for anybody in general. Yeah, um, yeah and that's that's kind of what's been good about GLTC, and I and I know the announcers I think do a pretty good job of highlighting this. Is really. You know, of course, everybody wants to do really, really well, but for GLTC, like you can always find somebody to go play with, no matter how your prep level, your skill level, like there's always somebody on track to have a bit of a scrap with, uh, clean scrap, of course. Um, but yeah, 
I think uh, emphasizing that as much as possible is key. Yeah, yeah, because you have the different, and it's such a big field. You're going to have that, which is awesome. So yeah. it is. And you know, we we thought this year was going to be big, and it certainly was. But with COVID and everything, you know, that's kept the borders closed. That's kept spectators away. That's kept people from traveling to events. Uh, so as long as everything, you know, kind of changes course this next year, yeah, I think it's going to continue to get more and more popular quickly. <laughs> I, I mean, the field's already huge. I can't even imagine. The spectators, I remember the first year, that's how they got us. We went, and there were so many people, and it was this huge party, and we're like, this is awesome. I get a race like damn party. It's like 3,500 people on site watching club racing. Just that's that's so crazy. Stupid. It is. Because the only okay. two events I've been to now are at Coda and NOLA, and neither one of those well, the, the most recent one at NOLA because there was it's COVID. We have very few spectators. But at the beginning of the year at, at CODA, it was the, the drift event with GLTC. So there was, I don't know, like 40 people watching the GLTC race. So my experience with GLTC is I'm like, cool, club racing. This is fantastic. And everybody keeps reminding me, the two events you've been to are not normal. You're going to show up to a regular event and there's just going to be people and it's going to be crazy so i'm looking forward to that to driving up north and going to one of the normal events this year yeah. and my daughter is too she my daughter went to my daughter went to the nola event and um that was her first time she witnessed club racing and so she's been racing motorcycles with me and she actually got to ride around the track in a session with somebody in just a, a de session and she came off the track and she was she's 14 years old. She's never driven a car and she was analyzing his braking. She's like, yeah, he's a little tentative on the brakes and doing, you know, doing these things. And, and I'm like, Love so it. what do you think about racing cars? And she's like, I could totally race cars. I could race these guys. Yeah. <laughs> Love that. She, she showed up. <laughs> Becky and I love this. She showed up with her own pyrometer. That is so awesome. <laughs> oh, so man. Good. So yes, I have yes. to ask Scott, do you think like with a, a woman racer though, so even with your daughter, Seth, like I feel like there's kind of has to be some kind of personality that comes with the female racers though, to be like in that mindset with the rest of the guys. I don't, I, I always hesitate to answer these questions just because <laughs> I'm, I am a dude. Um, <laughs> I... I'm not sure if it's a personality thing or if it's even just being having the idea instilled in you that, yes, you can do this if this is something you want to do. So, I mean, if, if we want to call that an attitude, yeah, 100 percent, I think it's an, an attitude thing. Um, but that's something I totally saw in Seth's daughter, um, which was the first time I'd met her that she showed up and she's um comparing how they take motorcycle tire temperatures and how they kind of manipulate pressures for motorcycles and grip and handling differences and how that's a little bit different from automotive tires because you know with the the, the bike tires you know you're rolling over so the heat distribution's a lot different versus a car where that's a little bit more static and she's going into all of this and I mean, it's, it's very clear to me in that interaction that she has been 
it's been instilled in her that this is something that she can do and to really kind of take ownership of that and have the confidence that she can step into that arena with a paddock full of dudes. And we were like in the heart of drift land, <laughs> which are like the broest of dudes in general. And she totally held her own. I mean, she's 13, Seth? 14. 14. She's just about to turn 15. So she'll be 15 in, a, in about a month. And just hanging out and taking up space, which I thought was awesome. There's a, I think there's a particular kind of fearlessness, if you will, in, in most of the, in pretty much all of the girls that race motorcycles with us. So there's, there's about a half dozen girls between um, 13 and their early 20s that race motorcycles with us. And all of them I would describe as is like a self-confidence bordering on fearlessness. They just, they know their place in the world and nothing intimidates them. They're like, no, I am a motorcycle racer and I'm motorcycle racing. And they're all like that. And it's pretty amazing to, to see. Um, I really, really enjoy seeing that. It's it's different than a lot of the women that I've seen autocrossing um, because I, I taught autocross for almost a decade. I was an autocross instructor. And in autocross, I got a lot of female students that were timid, that weren't quite sure that they could do this to the level that the men around them could do it. And so you had to do, there was a little bit of encouraging and saying, you know, this is a thing that, you know, you're doing very well and you can do this. And so more than the men that, that I taught, the women needed a little bit of encouragement and you don't see any of that in the little, in the, the race motorcycles, they all are right there. Um, so there, there's definitely a personality type that I think is attracted to wheel to wheel racing, um, to, to go and say, I know I can beat everybody else out there. It doesn't matter that I'm a girl. It doesn't matter that I've, if I'm racing against other girls or racing against boys or racing against anybody, it's just beating people is my thing. So, and it's, and it's helped that Tiffany has literally done that on multiple occasions. <laughs> you know what right. though? It's so great to hear your guys' perspective on this because I think that you nailed it. It's that confidence. I've, I've talked to other women about it because in my first couple of years, I had moments where I'll openly admit I was crying in the car and Justin had to tell me to go out. I was like, I can't do it. I'm like hyperventilating, crying in the car. And I remember it was like Coda, it was at nationals and I didn't have slicks either. I was on slicks and everybody, it was, everybody had rain tires and it was raining and it was like my first rain race. And I'd never even been to Coda and I was so intimidated and it was oh, like wow. 40 plus cars. And I got, oh, I got demolished. I got my ass handed to me. <laughs> <laughs> but I, he, but it was worth it because I remember crying in the car, like on grid, like supposed to go out and Justin's mom was there and she's like, maybe she doesn't need to go tell her she can get out of the car, you know? And like, she's being very like, and Justin's like, no, you're getting in, put your window net up, get out there. And so that's where I can say it's getting past that little hump of that. Um, like you're saying, it's building up that confidence. And that took me actually a couple of seasons to get there. And it, it, it did. I used to have moments where I'd get scared. It was after wrecking a car too. And then I questioned my skill set. I mean, I even questioned my skill set this year a couple of times, but I will say the difference that when people ask like, when did you start getting better? It's like that confidence. You have to have it. Like you cannot go out there and be scared or timid or question yourself and, I think that's what's made me a better racer just in general. 
And that's the biggest game. I, I definitely will say that, say that to women. I'm like, if you're intimidated, you have to get past that. And that's when you'll start getting better and you have to get more confident in the car. And that could so, go for any racer. Yeah. So, so where does that, I'm, I'm curious for you, where does that come from? So does that confidence, that kind of knowledge in your skill set, like you said, um, does that come from results? Does that come from preparation, knowledge of the car? just experience where where is that for you i think mine's experience definitely experience i think when i started pushing the car and doing things and just just experiencing it just like in wheel to wheel experiencing a pass for the first time or the first time i got bumped and all that just the more seat time i was getting the more confident i was getting in the car so that definitely and when i could be able to control the car and realize like oh i do this this is the end result i get oh i do this and i think the more and more i did that with experience was like where i about built the confidence I think it was intimidating in the beginning when I didn't know what was going to happen. Like, if I do this, what's going to happen? <laughs> and so that's, yeah, that's where seat time with anybody. And I tell any, like, seat time is everything. It helps so much. And for me, it built the confidence. And then a couple moments where I pushed myself beyond my limits from what I think. Like, there's a couple moments, you know, you'd go into a turn and I'd go faster than I, you know, I was just like, I have to push it. And your, your like leg naturally shakes, you know, and your oh, yeah. hands naturally shake. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And you go in that turn and you're like, just stay down. At least keep your foot on the pedal as long as it even shaking so hard. <laughs> yeah. But it was, I, yeah. I've said this on the podcast multiple times. Like there's, there have been corners in the past where I have to say the words out loud, don't lift. And if yep. I do that, my foot stays flat. But if I... My foot does what my mouth says, not what my brain is telling me. Oh, Justin had a sticker put across my dash, never lift. Like, and I would always <laughs> just look at it. It was like my same before I took my dash out this year. It had, and it was in purple. It was never lift. And I would like look at it sometimes because yeah. And it's once you start getting that though, and then you get used to it. Then after that, you're like taking those turns. You're like, oh, why was I ever scared about this? So mm -hmm. just getting over that little hurdle is, it's a game changer when you, you basically have to face those fears and yeah. build that confidence. I'm curious. You you said that you've you've wrecked some some cars in the past, um, and earlier on, certainly in your racing career too. What? Not that we necessarily need to relive the experience of the crash itself, but what did the crash do to you mentally? your your confidence level all of that and how did you how did you carry on after that well um my first one was a wheel to wheel experience and then I, I was trying to go for the win so that was one thing it was me and this one guy and I was I would have I would have got the win and I went for a stupid pass and I I had like oversteer and my car turned I ended up hitting a wall like super hard but I was like super depressed, kind of wanted to quit because it's it totaled my car. Like they had to get the flatbed out and everything. But I was in an endurance race that night too, so it was one of those back to back. Like at a race during the day, and then there was an endurance race that night, and they wanted me to be the first driver. And I was like crying and trying to get my stuff together because they're like, "No, you're the first driver for this." And I'm like, "I don't want to get in the car." And then they're like, "No, you have to do it." And I think maybe I didn't get ex maybe I, I it was very short lived of the whole pouting it only got to happen for a couple hours because then they made me get in the car and i had like a yeah. two and a half hour stint so that was like really good for me to throw me back in the car and be like get out there even though you wrecked and get over it pretty much and 
but I definitely can say it took me like a season after that. Uh, there was a lot of stuff I was always scared and I was like timid to wreck the car again because of how much work and money you put into it. And then when you total something, it's just like, well, I don't want this to happen again. But um, I don't know. But then the more and more, I'm just like, uh, you know, that's part of racing though. <laughs> like <laughs> things break, you're going to hit stuff. So I think when you get over that, it's fine. But I definitely think getting back in the car, the quickest, to, like, as soon as possible is the best thing. Cause I think it's hard for a lot of people if you do something like that and not get back in, then it's just easy to be like, make all the excuses in your head. Like, why am I doing this? Why don't I just quit? <laughs> like, yeah. Kind yeah. Of the voice, you know, we, we talked about the voices in our heads and you know, how, how terrible those can be. And, but yeah, if you were able to jump back in a car almost immediately, like you almost don't have time to, to listen to those voices for long and maybe that's where the whole being married to my teammate helps out because he is like my biggest um he's how do I, what is that he he's like my biggest cheerleader he really is like he's my biggest competitor but he's also my biggest cheerleader so it's kind of weird but he is he pushes me more than anybody to keep going and I don't know what he gets out of it because really it's probably would be easier if I was just a cheerleader <laughs> in the stands um but I think he deep down really enjoys having someone he can race against. That's his partner. I think that sure. is kind of a different experience for him as well. And I think he's proud to see how far I've come over the years. And he can take the credit if he ever listens to this. But he has gotten me as far as I have. I I wouldn't be as good as I am without him, honestly. I don't think I would. Yeah. I don't know. If the tables were So you and Justin also do a driving school. Um, what's that been like for you guys with, um, with racing and then being able to share what you've learned and your experiences to other drivers? Has that helped you? Has that been, has your experiences, have those been helpful for the students that you instruct? Oh, it's been, uh, it's a great experience. And then it always helps us even get some drive time. So we actually get a track time too, while we have our driving school. But I definitely have moments where it just helps me to see how far I've come. And then I can always learn stuff off different drivers. Like you even see new drivers get in a car and you get in with them and you're like, oh, like the, we, we do our school at our home track. Sometimes someone will take a turn and I'm like, oh, didn't think about taking it that way. I might have to try that out. But it also, I feel like it's a good recruiting tool. So then it's, it's cool. To, it's really awesome to see that passion, that new passion. When people get excited for their, like first time in a car, yeah. their first, like, it's, I'm always like, oh, I miss that. Like where it's like really <laughs> excited. I know. <laughs> the first time jitters or, you know, or they're just like learning all the new. So I don't know. It feels like it's a cool experience. Cause then you, you get all different levels of drivers and then the different, and then you get to like pass on that knowledge, like someone did for you. So it's, that's a great experience. And it's just, and it, we've, it can, we've actually recruited a lot of people about GLTC and we get to talk about GLTC and our racing there and had some people be like, Oh, I'm going to come. We've actually had some people are like, we're going to come join. And nice. so it's a really good in between the races. It helps us practice and everything. So that's really nice for us as well. So good. I love it. And the the whole notion of almost being interdisciplinary with driving, um, I think is a an upcoming topic Seth and I are curious about exploring. 
I mean, you you race cars and bikes and cars, and how how do those feed into one another? Because I know they're very different skill sets, kind of, but like, do you learn something on a bike that translates into your S2000 that translates into your shifter cart? Oh, yeah. Like, the only reason we even got the shifter carts was to help us with the cars. Just, like, muscle, like, our reaction timing, muscle memory, like, suspension. I was having a really hard time talking about suspension when we would we'd do, like, my coilovers and my springs. Talking, like, the feeling of the car and my seat and everything and trying to, like, why it's reacting the way. But go-karting is just so raw without it. And then, so helping me with, like, my braking and everything, knowing that you don't have ABS on a go-kart. And the reaction time is so much like with a shifter, it's so quick. And I think that helped me a ton. So then a couple of times after getting in a shifter cart and then going back to my car, I'm just like, it feels like everything's in slow motion. It's just like, mom, <laughs> it is, <laughs> it really is. It's crazy. And I think like the motorcycles and then all of it, racing comes down to everybody at the end of the day, still trying to find that fastest line. Right. And then trying to figure out what your tires can take. And that's with any motorized vehicle, like the motorcycles, the cars, the go-karts, figuring out that right slip angle and everything and what the car, what, you know, what you can take that corner at the fastest way out. And even with the motorcycles, the motorcycles help me with adapting to speed. I think like having a thousand CC liter bike, Seth can attest to, you know, going from zero to a hundred in a couple seconds, like you get, you adapt to that speed. And so I definitely think that's helped me not have as much fear in the car because just getting, so I think they always intertwine. I think that's why I think naturally if someone does one sport, if I know someone did one sport like motor, like maybe the motorcycles or something else, I know they're naturally going to adapt quicker into the other sport. So we do, we start racing shifter carts with this other guy who did motocross and he did it for years and super competitive. And he, he's really good in the shifter cart. And I know some of that's translating over and it's that competitiveness and then just some of the stuff you figure out with racing and I think they all kind of intertwine. I'm sure Seth can say that on it. Yeah, I, I think a big part of racing is understanding the people around you um, in being able to sort of watch the people in front of you or the people next to you and understand what they're going to do. And um, I can see that in in bikes and in cars and in carts that I've started driving recently, that all of that is the same. You, you sort of have a, a little bit of a telepathy of understanding, you know, how the guy in front of you is going to go through the corner and what that means as far as how you can pass them or somebody next to you is likely to outbreak you or not outbreak you. And, and all of that stuff that makes you a good racer and understanding the people around you exists across all three of those disciplines. And the guys who I know who race motocross say the same thing. Um, most of the we have a whole bunch of, of shifter cart uh, drivers who hurt themselves motocrossing and come over to shifter carts. Um, and Which they doesn't are... make any sense. <laughs> no. <laughs> I feel like well, you could just get as her in shifter carts, but yeah, that's yeah, a their, lot their, less. Im- their impression is, though, that, that shifter carts are safer. I'm not sure they come out of that feeling the same way. But, yeah. um, but they have, I think, karting particularly, the aggressiveness of motocross translates to karting immediately in a way that other motorsports don't. Because like you said, the shifter carts, everything happens so fast. Um, and 
I think that's closest to what's happening in in very fast motorcycles and motocross. And oddly enough, I think cars on track are the slowest, most sedate form of racing of all, all of those things. Not that it's easier because it's definitely not easier because you've got so much mass and the cars are so big in comparison to the track. And there's a bunch of things that make it more difficult. But um, I, you'd have to, I don't know if you agree with me with that, but um, the how you react with a vehicle with a car is is definitely slower than, than those other disciplines. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, that's one reason with motorcycles I knew I could never, I mean, I could try to be more competitive in the big motorbikes, but... I'll admit it's exhausting just for me. And I was racing my thousand and it's just so I was like so worn out by the end when you're trying to go back and forth with the motorcycle, at least right. in a car, you're just sitting there just being like, yes, it's, it's just as difficult. Like you said, but it's just a different, it's slower and a different kind of muscle, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I would, I would think to the ability to, it almost train your body and your brain to be able to pick up sensations better. You, know, you, you both have talked about, you know, how fast things can happen, but even on a bike, like you said, you know, you're, you're not just steering and braking and shifting. You're trying to figure out side to side where your body needs to be to help the bike, but then also forward and back in terms of braking and acceleration. And to some extent you do some of that same stuff on a shifter cart, shifting your, your weight side to side a little bit to help get the and so the the feeling of going into a breaking corner and blending that on entry just balancing that on the tightrope down into the apex and on a bike when you feel that that rear wheel step out and almost back it into a corner things like that is i've got to think you're just you're giving your body a bigger library of experiences and vocabulary to be able to translate. So after all that, I've got to think you get in the car and yeah, you're going to be able to feel rebound adjustments a lot better. You're going to be able to feel when ABS does kick in and when it's actually helping. And, you know, when you add that two degrees of rear wing, you're going to know because you're going to feel that because you've been doing all of these things. Oh, it's 100 percent true. I the first um, it was after my first shifter car race, sliding the car a little bit, the cart to get it where it needed to be. Mm-hmm. I went into the car and was I before that I always liked the car super stiff and I wouldn't really slide it too much. And Justin's like, there's a certain degree of sliding you need to do to be fast, like not 100 percent. And it took me to drive the cart once and then I transferred it over and I was like, it was like night and day in my driving style mm-hmm. is when I started doing some stuff. And I'm like, wow, that's all it took. And so I think 100 percent, I think you start feeling it in one and then you can translate it over and it helps a ton. And I cannot stress the importance of having a good fitting seat to be able to feel every (laughs) tire. No, in like the go-karts and in the car. It really makes a difference. (laughs) Yeah, that was was something I was unprepared for in motorsports. Like I always... I I always thought people who, you know, bought really nice steering wheels and fancy seats, that's just like, it's, that's just bling. Like you don't, you don't need that stuff. And then I got a decent seat and a good steering wheel. And all of a sudden it's like, wow, ergonomics are really important. 
Like, yeah, they are important. They are. It's actually, those little things you don't think about. I actually pull uh, my bottom cushion out of the seat once we get to the track. I pull that out, so I'm a little bit lower, but my seat is, or my butt is on, like a fraction of an inch of felt, and then just fiberglass. That's it, <laughs> because it, it helps me feel what's going on a little oh. bit better. Oh, it, it it was night and day when I switched my seat in my car. And I used to kind of float in my seat a little bit, didn't think anything of it. And then I finally switched one that was tight. And it, it took me a long time to get mine switched because Justin used to like to co-drive my car. Mm -hmm. So that was the biggest thing too. He wanted it to fit him. So that was like a one knockdown fight of being like, no, my seat is going to be made to only fit me. Yeah. And so uh, that, and when I finally had one that would like hold me in the seat, it's just, it was a night and day difference. I loved it. I was like, yes. Awesome. I'm laughing because Becky's eventually going to listen to this and, <laughs> and Seth knows where I'm going with this and the way that she is able to, cause I'm, I'm not a short dude. No, you're not. And she's, and she's not a tall woman. Um, my legs are like up to her chest almost like it's a huge and it's a, it's a non-adjustable seat. So we bought a five inch foam pad that goes into the back of the, the seat to push her forward enough so that she can reach the pedals. And so and realistically, she's not, she's still not close enough. No, she no, should she, probably be she's a good two, two inches, at least two inches farther forward. Cause I helped yeah. strap her in, in new Orleans. And I was like, she's still not close enough. It's borderline. But, yeah. <laughs> And you know what, if people don't realize that that's huge, like, you know, how many cars I've had to jump in. I did some endurance races and of course we had to choose the team with like someone who was 350 pounds and then uh, me at yeah. the other end. And we had to make these huge inserts or like this much, like four inches of foam on the back and the bottom and everything. So I felt like I was just getting into a couch, but yep. it's so hard as a driver. <laughs> you can't feel anything. And you're just like, I'm guessing it's like kind of driving a simulator without the... I, I do think oh, if she yeah. really wants to learn more, you can't. It's hard, though, when you're shorter and then someone's taller and you're co-driving. It's difficult. I well, get it. It We are in process of trying to purchase a, a Mazda 2. Um, she's going to get into the whole B-spec game, I think. Ooh. Uh, get, you know, basically get a really slow, lightweight, good handling car because it punishes you. And makes it super obvious whenever you you make a mistake. So it's the best gonna... way to start, though. I always love seeing yeah. people start from a bare base because that's what I did with my car. I didn't have aero for a couple of years. Like mine was a stock S2K, and I started that way. And Justin wouldn't let me get aero. And everything I put on my car could only put one thing at a time, and then I'd have to drive with it so I could learn what each one did. And I wouldn't let me compound too many things. And I think that's the best thing. I think people, when they go and get these brake pads and these wings and these coilovers, I'm like, well, you're not feeling what it did for you. So yeah. <laughs> it's not, it's handicapping you before you actually learn how to drive with it. So I do for think sure. that's a great idea. Yeah. Everybody wants it now. Yes. And it doesn't, it doesn't work out long-term generally speaking. Doesn't, you know, everybody forgets about that with racing, like the seat time goes back to that. Everything really does take time. You're not naturally going to jump into a car and be the best racer unless you've been go-karting since you were like five years old. It's usually not going to happen. Yeah, but, but at that point, they've got, you know, 
10 or 20,000 laps around a track. People underestimate the amount of laps that go-kart people get. And mm-hmm. I've only realized that in the last year is, is people who seriously cart are racing, are, are turning thousands and thousands of laps a year. And if you look at the normal number of laps you'll spend in a track weekend, um, most DE weekends, you're turning maybe a hundred, you know, that would be like a, a, a pretty busy weekend is turning about a hundred. Maybe. Scott's maybe. thinking about it. Yeah, maybe. And we figured it out on a small track with, with 25-minute sessions. It's 100. And then people do like, you know, a fairly busy season for most people is like six weekends. Um, so you maybe, yeah. if you're if you're like pretty serious about DE stuff, you get 600 laps in a weekend. And when my daughter and I were running at the kart track, when COVID was going on, we were doing we were doing 200 laps a week. So we did... We were doing between 800 and 1,000 laps a month um, this May, June, July on motorcycles. And there was other other people in carts doing that many laps, too, because we had nobody had anything to do. And we had yeah. memberships at the cart track. So we'd be there four or five days a week just turning laps. And we could watch people in carts do that. Um, people with their kids, their eight, eight nine-year-old kids would be there for three or four days a week doing 50 to 100 laps in a day and you look at the the catalog the the immense number of laps that carters have when you start when you're five years old and you've got 10,000 or 20,000 or 50,000 laps before you're ever old enough to drive an automobile and no wonder they're good at it I mean they have more than a lifetime of laps in and and I used to be frustrated when those kids would show up from karting and be awesome. And now it, I totally understand it. They've put in that work. Um, so yeah, I would encourage everybody to go karting if they live anywhere near a kart track. Um, oh, because yeah. you could, you can do so many laps and you can do so much racing. That's very difficult to do in a car. Yeah. Tiffany, I guess two part question here. What, do you hope for for yourself and for racing writ large in the future i really do want to try to get like an amateur pro seat um that would be just experience uh just to be i want to be to the skill level and be get noticed so i can race with like the top people um even though i kind of feel like i'm doing that with gltc (laughs) But for me, that's just knowing I just want to see how good I can get. Like I want to race with the best of the best and be up there and be competitive with the best of the best and see if I can do that. And that's kind of like my future goal and what I've been trying to strive for. I, I, uh, I've i just never been okay with just like stopping <laughs> and being mediocre. Mm-hmm. So I really do. I think being noticed enough to maybe get a seat, maybe an amateur pro would be that that would be a game changer for me and that would be like an ultimate goal but that's kind of where I'm at with that that's ask you where yours is with racing oh boy um I think what I've learned and what Seth and I've been exploring on this podcast I think my hope is to throughout through the avenue of racing to help me become more aware of who I am as a person and make that a better person. Um, I'm 
I like myself most days of the week, uh, most weeks, but I've got, I've got times where I'm not, I'm not a fan of myself and I've got experiences on track where it super highlights those parts of myself that um, I don't think are particularly good or healthy. And so I think I would hope that as I um, become a better person, a more healthy person, that that eventually would also translate into um, becoming a more skilled driver. I mean, I'm one of the older guys, I guess, in the GLTC paddock, although I'm not certainly not the oldest by far. Um, and so I'm not sure, you know, in terms of professional level with a kid, I just, I can't travel a bunch. I just, I want to be in his life too much to be gone for weeks at a time. So the whole notion of being a professional race car driver and, you know, unless eventually if he wants to travel with me, that'd be pretty, be pretty amazing. Um, but yeah, I think I just, I just want to be able to be around this culture and help it be better. Um, kind of through my driving, through my experiences and me as a person, but also helping to attract and just make all of us better together. You know, we, we talk about GLTC as a team sport. Um, and I want that team to perform the best that it can. And I need to do my part in that, but I can also help other people perform their, their best as well. So I think that's, that's what I've got. God, my answer seems so selfish after no. you not get a one from Scott. Like, I just want a pro seat, and he's over here like, help the community. No, no, but like, I, I if I would, I would want that. Like, I, I genuinely think that that would be something amazing. Um, I just, yeah, you know, I've got this son that I wouldn't trade for anything. It's just, it's part of that's a little sad, and that that's just an avenue I'm not able or willing to to travel down and i don't think that i don't think that makes it bad at all i mean talking with tom o'gorman with what he's been able to do and his attitude on i did it like i was there like he was testing gt3 cars like the dude was a perfect is a professional race car driver yeah. um i that's nothing to sneeze at i think that'd be amazing yeah, it's definitely, I don't know, maybe the, like a small part behind it too, is just, I want to get to a point where I'm respected for the skill set that I've earned, like work so hard. And I still think, I think I've earned some of it. And I don't know, maybe that's just, maybe some people want that. I really genuinely do want to, I want to know when I walk by someone's like, oh, that's Tiffany Kelly. And she actually drives well, not like something dumb or yeah. like, she's okay. Like, cause I know I still get it. Like I, I, I will say like with Justin, everybody knows Justin's a good driver. So when I hear people talk and stuff, they're like, oh yeah, that Justin guy, he's a fast driver. And I'm like, I want to be there. Like, I, want, <laughs> I want my name to be associated with fast. Well, <laughs> like, and, oh, and you've yeah. talked about it too. Like with, when he acknowledges you, that you are the one bump drafting him down that front straight. Um, or that, you know, you were able to lead 80, 70, 80% of this GLTC race when you went out on Hoosier wets. And that turned out to be a pretty dry track towards the end of it. Um, and I mean, you've, you won the weekend, uh, 
2019 season at PPIR. Um, and then, you know, you, you said, you know, looking at, you know, whatever professional amateur series, TCA, TCR, what, whatever it might be for you. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, it's, it sounds like that hunger, that, that desire to almost see what you're made out of by comparing and by putting yourself next to other people who are good. Exactly. Yep. My competitive side, just comparing, just have to have some kind of metrics. <laughs> and that's like, I want to be compared to the best, but I also, I'm not unrealistic about it where I know it's something I have to earn. And so I've always been willing to put in the work for it too, though. And that's where some people are, if they don't understand, like, it's like, I have worked so hard and like, I have practiced and I, I've done things, you know, like get into racing when I don't like race a weekend when I'm tired and I'm worn out or spend every dollar to buy and have injured myself and wrecked cars, but I continue to keep doing it because I know like, so once I do get it too, I know that then I'll be like, oh, I earned this. Like it wasn't just given to me and for me, it's just like a self-fulfilling thing that I'm, for me, I don't need really anything else. I don't know. That's what keeps my fire alive to keep doing it. <laughs> well, if it's, if it's any, if it's any encouragement, um, I think the, the moment where I kind of really remember in terms of acknowledging you as a driver was um, 2019 fall special at Gingerman our first night race it happened to be raining as well and a whole bunch of people didn't go out because this first season not many people had hoosier wets and it was dark i mean it was night and the track was super slick a bunch of people didn't go out because they only had slicks it's like no problem and here comes tiffany kelly on slicks in a night race and she was not last she did quite well and i just when when i heard that i'm like holy shit she went out on slicks and that like was a scary race did, <laughs> did well like i was yep practice makes perfect right that was it was definitely one of those races i was like i can't believe i'm doing this but that was a fun one that was the first was night race downpouring and i was like oh gosh let's do this fireworks in the background yes they were so distracting too because i didn't have windshield wipers either and everything and i couldn't really see and so it'd like be kind of distracting with the taillights and everything all the fireworks yeah like what are we doing yeah so is there anything you want to plug any social media any companies groups stuff like that um, I know if you want to keep up, you have seen that Team Kelly, we are doing our own little YouTube thing. We're going to track our progress on our builds this winter. Um, so if you want to check that out, we did have our last go-karting race up there, a funny one where I'm bump drafting Justin. That's a nice. Okay, I um, see that one. It's fun. He puts his commentary in the video, too, every time I bumped. He calls it slam drafting from Tiffany. <laughs> I apparently <laughs> still learning how to do that. It was my first time. I didn't know, and I thought it would be a lot smoother. Apparently that's not you you hit people at speed that's what you do <laughs> yeah i'm learning now i am looking forward to the next season i really think it's going to be a great time with the gltc family i'm hoping hoping i don't know which race i'll make it to first because i think like the ones like coda coda's in early march i believe it's rough it's far ways away i know that's where you're south i know that's where you're at but that's well, sort of i'm three hours away from there the 
one of the one of my friends that I that races GLTC with you guys, you can see the Coda Tower from his backyard. Oh, that's um, so cool. Yeah, it's awesome. So that makes it a little bit easier because I just crashed at his house, and then you could almost ride a bicycle from his house to the track if you wanted to. He actually he drove. He has a street legal uh, two stroke uh, KX or uh, KTM sixty five that he drives to the track when he's doing stuff. So he rides over on this children's dirt bike to the track, and it's ridiculous. Um, but that makes, anytime you're that close to a track, it makes life easier. But yeah, you should come down, and we'll find a place for you. It'll be fun. We'll try. It's so hard, the long-distance ones, but we'll try with Coda. But we do look forward to the next season and bring my A game. No car issues this year. Definitely. Here's open. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But if you guys are you ever... Have- yeah. How could you have car issues with a new motor? That's impossible. <laughs> it's new. <laughs> Knocking on wood right now. No, I will <laughs> test it. And if you guys are ever in our area and ever want to come to one of our driving schools, let us know. Like, definitely come out for a weekend. It'd be fun. At Absolutely. Raceway Park of the Midlands. Yeah. Nebraska. Well, technically Iowa. The track's over the border. But Thanks. yeah. Oh, wow. It was great talking to you guys again, though. Yeah, you too. Thanks for coming on. Uh, and for all three of us here at Track Walking, um, you can follow us on you, Instagram and Facebook at Track Walking Podcast. Uh, please rate us and review us on whatever platform you're using. It really does help. And um, yeah, we look forward to doing more of these and hope to see you soon. So for the three of us, I'm Scott. And I'm Seth. Ah, couldn't couldn't hear it. All right. We are track walking and we will talk to you next week. Bye.